All right, tonight we're starting a new sermon series called Fake ID. Everybody say Fake ID. Fake ID. And the whole idea is that we're going to be reclaiming our identity. It is good to be back with you guys. We had an amazing time at Marvel. If you were not there, you really missed out. I think it's safe to say, at least for me personally, that that was my favorite Marvel yet. God moved in the night services. Pastor Clot was with us. He did a phenomenal job delivering the word on Saturday morning and couldn't even really preach the night services because God moved so much. So... I loved it. I got a lot out of it, and my life was changed. If you were there, um, did your life get changed? Anybody? Yeah, yeah awesome. Mine did too. I'm just super excited. So I know a lot of you guys have been um, finishing up your fast, and I'm so proud of you guys for finishing up your fast. We went out last night, actually, with uh, Spencer's parents and just at Olive Garden, kind of talking and chatting. And then we talked about the whole fasting thing, and we, we got to talking about, man, isn't it funny how we, how we break our fast? Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, like, if you do a 21-day fast on liquid only, you know, you, you want to break your fast carefully. You don't want to go out and just eat a steak. Because if you do that, if you've ever done 21 days without food and then eat steak, do you know what happens? Your stomach is going to be in pain. It's not going to be good. It's really painful. And there's tons of people who do that kind of stuff. And you, know, you could break your fast like that. But if you're doing sweets only, breaking your fast is pretty simple, right? You just kind of go home and break it and eat some sweets. But have you ever thought about how do you break a complaining fast? I mean, what do you do? Like, you know, it's Saturday night and you're like, hey, we're done. Let me just start complaining. You just go like off on a complaining rant. Or what if you have a fast on talking about yourself? So now now for the next hour, you just be like, hey, listen, I just got to talk about me because I haven't talked about me for 21 days. And you just go on and on and on. And I thought it would be cool if we did a skit like that at Youth Lit at how we break our fast at Liberty Church. And you guys doing it. So that, you guys on, is that okay? So we might do that for Youth Lit. So I got three people in the front. We'll, We'll work with them. Awesome. Good deal. So fake ID, we want to talk about that for the next couple of weeks, and we don't really talk about what it means to have a real ID and what it means to have a fake ID. Speaking of, um, and this is probably more for the adults, but has anybody ever gotten a real fake ID? Like, real fake ID, that's kind of like an oxymoron. But anyway, anybody ever gone out to a place where you shouldn't go and gotten a fake ID? We literally had some of our leaders in junior high, one specific. Um, I won't mention any names, but uh, so I was just wondering whether we had anybody else here that had gotten a fake ID before. So imagine with me for a moment that we all got invited to a party, and we went to this party, and we only knew a few people there. It wasn't really that many that we knew, and, and as we walked through the doors, there was a table to our left, and, and we kind of saw this person. They had these name tags right there that kind of stated, hello, I am, and we kind of get motioned over to come to the table, and they ask us to come over, and so we walk over there, and the person tells us, hey, we want you to wear one of these name tags because we want everybody to kind of know who you are, but to make it a little bit more interesting, I don't want you to put your name down. I want you to put something else down to describe yourself. But it can't be your name. So now we have this name tag, and now we have to think about, okay, what am I going to put down about myself that is not my name? How would you describe yourself? What would your identity be if it wasn't your name? And I think there's four different things that we could do as we're thinking about this. Number one, we would fill in something that has to do with what we do. A lot of us, that would be our first choice. We would say, well, I am a businessman. I am a student. I am a pastor. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. You have all these different things, and you fill this out because this is what you do. Often, we find our identity in what we do or what we're trying to accomplish. So if we don't say our name, that's often how we define and find our identity. The second thing that we would do potentially on how to define ourselves when it comes to identity is we fill in something that has to do with a challenge or experience we've had in the past. 
In other words, I, I'm a divorced person. I, I had been bankrupt. I'm addicted. Um, you know, I was addicted. I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm sick. I mean, you can all put all these different things in. Something that happened in the past, and you define yourself by something that happened in the past. In other words, we often if define ourselves or identify ourselves by things we have suffered or gone through. And some of you guys, you might define yourself that way. By the way, I want to say this, and I want you guys to hear me. Your addictions and attractions do not define you. Can I say that again? Your addictions and your attractions do not define you. See, we live in a day and age where, where people will tell you, well, your addiction is what defines you. That is who you are. Your attractions, let's say you're dealing with same-sex attractions, that is who you are that defines you, and that is not true. Amen. Good preaching. I'll have you out tonight. That is not true. Your addictions and your attractions do not define you. There's something else that defines you, and we'll talk about this in just a second. Maybe you would um, say something along those lines. You will fill in something that you are passionate about, and that's how you would define yourself. You would say, I'm, I'm a golfer. Anybody likes golf in this place? I do not understand that sport. So, you know, sport. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm a video gamer. I'm a basketball player. I'm a scientist. I'm a reader. I'm a nature lover. I don't know what you want to fill in, but something that you're really passionate about, and that's how you define yourself. Often we identify ourselves by things we're passionate about. And lastly, you may fill in something of what others have said about you. Maybe some people have called you lazy, no good for nothing, you will never amount to anything. Or maybe on the good side, maybe they've called you beautiful, a good singer, a talented musician, or a smart student, whatever it is, and you will define yourself by something that someone else said about you. See, what we're labeled early on and often in, the, in our early years will often determine how we define ourselves. In other words, often we identify ourselves by others, by how others see us. We often see ourselves as we perceive others to see us. And that's something that we have to be really careful about. So how would you define yourself if it wasn't your name? If you couldn't say, my name is, you would say, what would you say? How would you define yourself? Because the thing is this, everything flows from your core identity and who we see ourselves to be. Who you think you are is ultimately how you will behave. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The bottom line for tonight is identity determines behavior. The way that you see yourself will determine how you will act and what you will do. And depending on whether your identity is wrong, then you will do things maybe that you don't even want to do, but you do them anyway. Have you ever wondered why you do certain things? It's because you see yourself a certain way and then you act accordingly. We can say it another way, and that will be this. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what we do. Now in church, sometimes we focus too much on behavior, and we focus on behavior modification and tell people this is what you need to do, and, and this is good sometimes, but we can go overboard because really what we should be focusing on, and this is what we're doing in the series, ladies and gentlemen, is this. We need to focus on identity. When you know who you are, you will then act accordingly. See, I, I know this, and you guys know this, because I have kids, and I tell my kids all the time on how to, be, how to act a certain way, and, and it doesn't work, does it? When your parents tell you, just be like, you need to do this and this and this. But if you really know who you are, that changes everything. Then you just act because of who you are. For example, I am I'm a husband. And with that identity comes a core behavior. That means as a husband, I will love my wife and I will be faithful to her. <laughs> I am a father. 
with that identity comes a behavior that goes along with that. When we know who we are, then we can really determine how we should be behaving. So what does the Bible say about who we are anyway? Well, that's a great question. That's exactly what we want to talk about for the next couple of weeks as we look at the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. We want to talk about Ephesians for a moment here. And if you break down the book of Ephesians, this is probably how you could break it down. Chapters 1 to the Ephesians on your uh, PowerPoint here is here is who you are. Paul in the first three chapters talking, here is who you are, basically talking about this is your identity. And then in chapters 4 through 6, he talks about here is what you do which is the behavior part of. But the behavior comes after the identity. When we know who we are, again, the behavior will just follow. And sometimes we get it wrong because we want to kind of change people right away, but they need to know who they are and whose they are. So the book of Ephesians was written 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This church in Ephesus, they were brand new Christians. It was a brand new church, brand new Christians, and this was good and bad at the same time because they had no preconceived idea of what church was supposed to be, which is good. But they also had no idea, which is not good. And that's why Paul stayed there with them for a couple of years, really teaching them and telling them, this is who you are in Christ. And it was hard for them because their core identity before becoming a Christian was, I am, in a, I am a person from Ephesus. And they took great pride in that. It was a very impressive city. And, and you were proud to be from Ephesus. And at times, their identity with being an Ephesian, identity with Christian kind of, I mean, that kind of clashed. And they had issues with that. Paul taught them and then he left. And you know what happened after Paul left? They fell back into their old behaviors. And Paul had to write them, which is why he's writing Ephesians, saying, hey, listen, don't forget what I taught you. Kind of reminds me of us a little bit here because, you know, we, we come to church and we behave a certain way and we do everything right because we know what we do. And then we go out in the world and what do we do? We forget everything we were taught, right? Well, at least some of us do. And then we just kind of act totally different. And we have all these fake IDs that we live by. See, some of you guys, if we were honest, you have a, a fake ID in school. You're completely different in school than you are here at church, or at home for that matter. Some of you guys, you know, you've, you've seen this in movies, and I know this is, you know, true. You, your mom asks you to dress a certain way, and you have your clothes on, and you have a different set of clothes in your backpack, and you go to school, and you change. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a fake ID right there. That's, that's wrong. That's not how you're supposed to be. And if your mom would find out, she would slap you, right? Or something, I don't know what happens in your house. I don't know how that works, but um, she would not be happy with you. Some of you guys, you have a fake ID in church. And I know that to be true because we all know how to play church. I mean, we know how to raise our hands and, you know, say amen and, and, you know, do the right things. But how are we like for the rest of the time? Now, some of you guys, you have a fake ID on social media. Ooh, can we talk for a moment? See, you pretend to be someone that you are not. Maybe you even have two different accounts going on and all kinds of stuff. I mean, who knows? Like, there's so much stuff going on on social media, and you are pretending to be someone that you're not. Young people, can I tell you something? We need to be the same on social media that we are with our parents and church and anywhere else. It should be the same. There should be no difference. No difference whatsoever. And we should never post stuff to get likes can we just talk about motives for a second? I'm going to kind of go there because we all do it. Actually, if you look at my Facebook, you think I'm dead because I never post anything. It's not that I don't have anything to post. My life is boring. It's just I just, you know, I'm too lazy to post. That's really what it is. But anyway, our life should be the same in real life as they are in social media. See, social media is a good tool. I think we can use it for a lot of good things. But you also have to understand it's the devil's playground. Can I say that again? 
It's a good tool, but it's also at times the devil's playground. And a lot of you guys' issues that you're dealing with, the insecurities that you have, the comparison games that you play, they come from Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all these different things. And you need to be careful how much time you spend on there. Because you think, oh, everything I see on there is true. And we all know it's not, but we still kind of think it is, even though we know it's not. So weird how our brain sometimes lies to us. And then you see something like, oh, I got to have that too. I have to be like that. I have to have that body. I have to look like this. I have to take pictures of myself a certain way and then post them on there just so that people can talk about me and tell me how sexy I am. Now, I don't do that, just in case you're wondering. So, you know, just like I said, if you look at my Facebook, you think I'm dead. But we need to be careful that we are the same in real life as we are on social media. Some of you guys, you have a fake ID in home, at home. Like, you are totally the nice kid at home, and then you walk out and, like, your teachers are like, that, that kid is, like, straight from, you know, you fill in the blank. You need to be the same person. Some of you guys, you have a fake ID at work, and you are not the same, or a fake ID in sports. The, the question that I have for you guys, who are you really? What's your identity based in, and who are you? If you were to see someone that has all these different fake IDs and acts a certain way in one place and then another way in a different place, what would you call that person? Wouldn't you call them a hypocrite, two-faced, you know, liar, you know, chameleon, and you can just fill in the blanks. You would call them all kinds of names, and you would say they're just, you know, whatever. But then it's interesting to me how we can do the same thing in our own lives and we would never call ourselves those things. We have all kinds of grace on ourselves and say, well, if you only understood, there's a reason why I'm one way like this and then over here I'm this way. Really? I don't think Jesus was different, you know, in his home life and then in church and then when he was hanging out with his dad in heaven. I, I think he's pretty much the same. Actually, I know he is. And I think we should be the same. We should not have different... IDs. So, your core identity directs your behavior. So we got to know that who we really are because it will impact our behavior. Here's what Paul says to the Ephesians in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Who is our identity in? It's in Christ Jesus. That's who our identity should be based in. It's in Christ Jesus and it is in Him alone. Because when we are in Him, we are what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. See, the term in Christ is mentioned all over the New Testament uh, over 100 times and speaks often about our identity and who we are in Christ. In Christ, you are chosen. God shows you specifically to be his child. In Christ, you adopted. He adopted you into his family, and now you are a co-heir in the kingdom, and, and he is your father. You are adopted into the kingdom. In Christ, you are redeemed. He redeemed you. In Christ, you are marked, marked by the Holy Spirit, marked to be different, marked to be noticeably different from everybody else. In Christ, you have been purchased by Jesus going to the cross and spending his life and his blood on the cross to save you. You have been purchased. That's who you are in Christ. There's so many things that you are in Christ. When we know who we are, we know what to do. 
When you really know who you are, you know truly. Again, I told you earlier, like, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I just, it just makes me want to do it. It's not like rules and regulations that I'm going after here, guys. If you know your identity, everything else changes. And apparently the Ephesians in chapter 2 had forgotten a little bit about some stuff. And so Paul reminds them here, and we're going to go in chapter 2, and he says this, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their heart. And in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, you've been united with Christ Jesus. So what is Paul saying here? You used to be one way, but now you're united with Christ. You are now citizens of heaven. Who are you? You are in Christ, and you are a citizen of heaven. And when we become citizens of heaven, we literally pledge allegiance to the king that lives in heaven. And that's God. And when we pledge our allegiance to him, everything changes. See, some of us, we think we pledge allegiance, including myself sometimes. But if you really pledge allegiance to something, that means you die to everything else that is you. And it's all about God from there on out. And we don't get that as Americans or Germans in this matter. We just don't. But we need to because he should be everything. As a matter of fact, our allegiance to anything always pales in comparison to the cross. Like the cross is always the final thing. The cross is it, and our allegiance to Jesus should be bigger than anything else. We are now one in Christ. I love what Paul says in Galatians. He says, For you all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. So you're in Christ, and all of us are one. There's no longer a distinction between us, but we are now one. We are all in the same family. We talked about this a little bit earlier. That's why I have such a big deal with making sure that our family is taken care of. Your identity is in Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. Let's get two applications out of this really quick, and then I'll dismiss you guys into your groups. What are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to live? As citizens of heaven, we live differently than citizens of earth. We live differently, and it should be very evident to everybody else around you that you are not like the people around you. If there is citizens of heaven and citizens of the earth in one room, you should see the difference. Have you ever been in a room with, um, let's say there's like, you know, 10 Americans and then there's like five foreigners in the room? And you can usually pick out the foreigners really quickly, right? Usually they have an accent, they act different, they may even dress differently, right? That's the way it should be with us being citizens of heaven and citizens of earth. It should be completely be like, yeah, yeah, he's a crit. I mean, like, that, look at him, of course he is. Like, you can spot a foreigner usually really quickly. Let me tell you this, as an American, if you go anywhere else, anybody can spot you really quickly because most Americans are really loud and, you know, you just, it, it's just, you can be seen really easily. Like, people will spot you and know that. That's the way it should be as a Christian. We should be noticeably different. Second thing is, as citizens of heaven, we put our hope in Jesus, not anything else. Your hope should never be in anything else but Jesus. Not even your parents. Not even your siblings, not even your spouse. Your hope is ultimately completely in Him, in Christ. Our hope is in Him. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I'll warn you as temporary residents and foreigners 
to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. He's saying this, hey guys, you are just temporarily here on earth. You're foreigners. I'm a foreigner here in America in some ways, even though I'm obviously a legal resident, but I'm still a foreigner because my citizenship is with Germany. So I'm a foreigner here. And you guys, as Christians, we are foreigners in this world. And we live accordingly. And he's saying here, there is a war that is going against your very soul. Be careful not to let that war overtake you. And the only way that you can is by knowing your identity. Who are you? Who is your identity? Your identity is in Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. I want you guys to fill that in there in the blank on hello I am. You can uh, say I am in Christ or I am a citizen of heaven and that's going to be kind of your fill in today. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Do not let other people define you. The Bible should define you. Again, your parents will help you def defining you and giving you identity, but ultimately it is God who defines you. Amen? The worship team is going to get ready. And what I want to do tonight is I want us actually to go back into a song. We kind of uh, took one song that kind of encapsulates what we talked about tonight. And uh, we want to talk about this in this song as we sing this together. It's called Glorious Day. You guys know this song. and It's kind of like a fast song. But I want us to really think about the fact that, hey, he called us out of darkness into um, just a marvelous light, into his kingdom, into his presence. And we are now completely different than we were before because now we're in Christ. And it should show in the way that we live and behave. Amen.